All right, everybody, this episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast is brought to you by Off the Record. Look, it's been Memorial Day. Hopefully you didn't get pinched because it's one of the biggest speeding, speed-trappy, grimy, money-grubbingest holidays of the year where the cops are just out to earn that revenue and you don't want to be a victim here. Go to offtherecord.com slash TST and fight that ticket because here's the thing you should never ever plead guilty to a moving violation ever because it's way too easy to use something like off the record and not have to fall into that system whereby they extract money from you just for using the roads in a totally normal and reasonable fashion if you go to off the record.com slash TST or use code TST 10 on the off the record app We will help you out with a special TST price on all your services using Off the Record for the next few years, whether it's moving violations, simple ones, whether it's like, you know, the bigger ones like DUIs or misdemeanor speeding, stuff like that. Uh, They can help you out. Even if you've already been convicted or you've already pled guilty, they can help, in some cases, reverse those charges after the fact. They cover uh, 97% of the populated United States. Not everywhere, but pretty much everywhere. And they offer an incredibly high uh, success rate uh, when they fight those tickets for you. And look, if you if you get those points off your record, you're going to save on insurance for like years and years and years. The court system and the insurance companies are working hand in hand here to extract money from you long after they deserve to. So go to offtherecord.com slash TST or use code TST10 on the Off The Record app and always, always, always fight that ticket. And we're also brought to you by Dylan Optics Sunglasses, which it's now 2021. This is the 10th year we have been working with Dylan Optics Sunglasses. Ten years. Uh, I can't believe that we've been actually sponsored by somebody for a decade. And I've probably gone through 50 pairs of their sunglasses. Uh, They're very durable sunglasses. In fairness, I treat them like I'm sponsored. (laughs) And and it's like, oh, they're scratched ring, new ones. Uh, But Dylan's got new frames every season. I mean, when they started... I think there was five or six frames. There's now like 20 plus frames, 25 frames, whether it's the metal aviator style, the more uh, the wayfarer style, the wraparound style, uh, style that works great under a helmet, style that works great with water sports, different colors, and the the trademark matte finish double polarized lenses uh, are available in a variety of colors as well. Blue, gold, black, silver. Uh, It's really cool. You can design your own combinations so uh, you your glasses are pretty unique uh, to you. Even if you see someone else in Dylan's, they might have completely different lens combo, and it's a unique pair of glasses. So they're, they're each one is made to order, which is very cool, uh, right in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, if you go to the smokingtire.com, there's a tab that says partners there, and there's a banner for Dylan Optics. Use that banner to get there, and we will send you a free smoking tire T-shirt for supporting the people who support us. These glasses are not cheap, but quality items rarely are. They last a long time. The lenses are incredibly high quality. They really make uh, easy work of driving very long distances in bright light, being out on boats, being out in the sun, working in the sun, all that kind of stuff when you're 
eyes are really tired at the end of the day. Uh, the Dillons, they really, really help ease that stress. Uh, and they look cool also. So go to that Partners tab on our website and use that link. We'll send you a free t-shirt with every pair of Dillon Optics that you buy. Uh, and of course, my favorite ad ever in the history of advertising, Tradecraft Farms. It is so nice to be sponsored by a company that produces the highest quality THC and CBD products right here in Los Angeles. Go California. Go legal cannabis production. Go civilization. This is very good for everybody. Uh, if you're in L.A. or coming through here, make sure to stop into a Tradecraft Farms official dispensary. Uh, the newest one is in Port Wainimi, which is a lovely drive. If you were to go up to Malibu and maybe go to Bill's, which is definitely not a Cars and Coffee on Sundays. Absolutely not. I, I would never promote such a thing. Uh, if you're going past there, just can keep going a little further. Drive PCH. It's lovely. Uh, also, if you can't make it out there, ask for Tradecraft Farms by name in your local dispensary, wherever uh, cannabis and CBD products are sold uh, legally in the civilized world. They've got these really cool joints that are wrapped in gold. They've got joints that are wrapped in rose petals. Ball out. Why not? Show off for your friends. Uh, Tradecraft Farms on Instagram and, of course, TradecraftFarms.com. The best THC and CBD products in the history of mankind. I love doing all of that. All right, on this episode of the show, uh, dude, Henry Catchpole is in the house. He's not actually in the house. He's calling from the UK. He has just produced um, one of those kind of game over car films where someone lets you do silly things that you never thought you would actually get to do, uh, like driving the McLaren F1 911 GT1 and CLK GTR Mercedes back to back to back. Very cool. We talk about what it's like to produce that film, a little BTS, if you will, as well as uh, some of uh, Henry's other uh, dream drives throughout his extensive career uh, writing and making films about car uh, cars. He is a, just a very good writer. He's a very sweet guy. He's a great video presenter. And uh, this is a great show. Henry Catchpole is on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Real-time live podcasting. Henry Catchpole is in the house. The man is... A legend. Uh, how many? 11, 11 years at Evo? 10 years plus at Evo? Uh, yeah, it's only over 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And now Carfection and dropping like, oh, it's like, oh, you thought you thought you had good press cars. Oh, Matt, you thought like, oh, did you get to drive the SF90 this week? Oh, that's like real cute. That's like, <laughs> and how tall are you for the record? Uh, I'm I'm 195 centimeters, which oh, is just boy. under six foot five tall. Oh my God! So you yeah, you had work cut out for you in that CLK GTR. I've tried to sit in one of those yeah. before. It's a it's a disaster. Yeah, he made the car look cramped. Yeah, I was um, I was very lucky because that particular car uh, I happen to know the owner that it's gone to, and thankfully he is tall. So actually, Deke Engineering took a, a video of me sitting in the car to send to the owner and say, "Look, it's all right. You will fit," because they had to do various things. Uh, which we've got one more film to come out, in fact, on those trios, sort of just with all the sort of other stuff in it and sort of extra bits talking to James Cossingham. And they did sort of raise the roof lining very slightly and sort of take some of the padding out of the seats sort of to help um, him get into it. Oh, they gurneyed it? The original cool. They can go back. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's, when they that remake the whole roof with a bubble, then you can then call me. 
<laughs> when they go full Dan Gurney bubble roof. What we're talking about is he got to drive, Henry got to drive the CLK GTR uh, 911 uh, GT1, the 996 based car, I believe, and uh, and the McLaren F1 same day. On was was this like a nice little like? Would you call it a handling circuit, Henry? It was definitely closed road. Yeah, so Millbrook is um, it's a bit like Myra uh, in the UK. It's been for years and years, and manufacturers use it for testing. I used to seemingly spend an awful lot of my time there because uh, back in the Evo days, we'd use it for straight line testing. So they have a, a long mile straight. Uh, there's a big, a very famous um, two mile bowl um, all the way around, and it's yeah. And then they've got this alpine route. Which they call, which uh, sort of gets increasingly sort of steep. There are sort of three loops on it, which you can just link together, or not as you choose. And thankfully, it's one way, so you know it looks like a road. It looks fairly picturesque. Uh, it's not the easiest place to film at, but um, but yeah, it looks better than the average circuit. And I think for insurance purposes, it's probably easier because it's a test venue rather than a circuit yeah yeah when that comes across the insurer's desk when the insurer sees racetrack they get real right (laughs) they get real sweaty (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i remember we'd go there and the mile straight used to be two-way which was terrifying because i'm sorry get the fuck out of here it was a it was actual two-way street well, it was actual sort of, so you could have two cars testing, starting opposite ends. No. And there was no barrier particularly between. There was just a white line down the middle. So you could have a, if both cars set off at the same time, you could easily hit by 160 by the half mile point. Wow. So you'd have a closing speed of about 320 miles an hour. Holy oh my God. With the other car. The Venturi um, must be so crazy <laughs> if that happens. Ooh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's nuts. So, uh, yeah, you can't do that anymore. So that's those days are gone. What you also used to have is that at the end of the mile straight, there's, um, well, depends which end you go to, but um, I suppose probably the southern end, maybe northern end, don't know. Anyway, there's a sort of quite a tight bit of banking, which you meant to slow down to like 50 miles an hour to make sure you make it round. But if you have brake failure, then obviously you just have this basically fantastic launch ramp off the end of it, um, which will then land you on the, I suppose it's probably Bedford to London railway line. Oh um, my God. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite, quite fun. Well, uh, they don't build uh, like yeah, they used things. to, huh? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So shady. The, the, it the looks pretty though. Well like, Why was the ball terrifying? Well, it was because it was always fine, but it had three distinct uh, sort of bumps in it. So I remember doing testing with uh, Dickie Meaden back in the day, and we had a whole, we had about 10 cars to go and try and get up to whatever their top speed would be on the bowl, which was never quite the same, because obviously you had scrub, um, because it's it's a bowl. Um, but some cars would be, they'd be fine at say 150, and then you just sort of up the speed a bit more, and you might get to like 155, and they'd be utterly terrifying, because the suspension would suddenly not be able to cope over these bumps. And you know, you're up on the, the banking like this, and it's just, it, it is, horrendous i remember an evo seven eight maybe completely it was like a sort of I don't know, space shuttle on re-entry because it just started disintegrating so window rubbers were coming off like that we had another layer that started corkscrewing sort of like this and dickie and i actually, I actually said to him i said well, i thought well thank goodness at least i'm not going to die alone because you're in the car as well and it was just it, that's sort of um, the level it got to but uh, yeah there we go sketchy the del went round there at 200 miles an hour average and it's a it's a it's a circle a proper circle like nardo yeah 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 so 
what did you ever get a chance to, to compare like a general sense of like what a car's top speed average is on this bull compared to what it could do in a straight line? Is it like a minus fifteen percent or twenty percent, or is it just depending on the car? Some cars would just utterly fall apart at a certain speed on the bull compared to what they could do in a straight line, like that. Yeah, it, it was sort of. I mean, obviously, sort of up to if, if a car was limited to say one hundred fifty-five that's fine they're going to get there and sit there and something i remember like rs4 at the time the b7 rs4 yeah, was fantastic. yeah. It just felt it just felt like seeing on the euro stars absolutely rock solid at about probably 160 or whatever it was that it actually went to and um and then yeah it, was, it gets higher and higher and higher it gets more and more difficult to reach the top speed of the car so right and something like the um i see scary i think we took around there and that at like 180 was really tough and being, I was in the passenger seat always for this because I was too young at the time to be trusted to do the stuff and other people would do that. Um, but it, in left-hand drive cars, always meant I was the one closest to the barrier, so looking <laughs> yeah. slightly rusty armco. Yeah, um, yeah. Thinking that, yeah, this comes through the passenger window, it's not going to be much There fun. was a track in Texas. Was it was it Texas World Speedway, which is the one that was, like, was falling apart? Yeah. <laughs> there's a track in Texas that's, like, displaced properly disintegrating and there's a it's a it's a roval it's a speedway with an infield and there's like i don't know a third of the speedway is basically drivable and then you have to go into the infield and the and the banking has holes where you can see the sky it's got plants big fucking shrubs i mean it's really really it's wild it's it's like driving in the apocalypse and did you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, oh, it's a rally cross course. <laughs> it ba- yeah, basically, but you could drive through a hole and fall thirty feet to your death. Like it's really nice. fucked up. <laughs> but I like that uh, that that the place where you drove these three cars is very. It's like we don't see a lot of grass and trees here, Henry. <laughs> Our proving grounds. When you tell a Californian, uh, like an automaker's proving grounds, it's it. We just hear desert. We go straight to the desert. Well, that's where there's space. So Honda yeah. has their proving grounds yeah. out in the middle of the desert. Honda as well. Yeah. There's a couple of them. Yeah. Like if you saw, I'm sure you saw Ford versus Ferrari, right? Uh, no. I oh, seen fuck it out of here! Well, you should. It's fun. <laughs> Anyway, our the proving grounds out here they use to replicate desert racetracks. That's what they, they look like, desert racetracks. Yeah. So, uh, these three films are up on Carfection. They're very pretty. They're very detailed. They're like 15, 16 minutes on each car, which is lovely. And um, give us a summary of, of what the... The film's about the cars. If you want to hear Henry's reviews of the cars, you should go watch the films. Tell us what it was like on that filming day to produce those? Like, what did you do? You showed up at the track and then? And then, well, we had the three cars there and you sort of, you wander around them for a start because it's just, you, you just sort of, you can't help you just sort of looking at these things and thinking. And part of me didn't believe that it was going to happen. I think in, until the end of the day or until I'd driven the third car, which was actually the Porsche as it happened, um, I, I sort of, I it was such an extraordinary test that i couldn't believe that something wasn't going to go wrong at some point that other was going to play ball we weren't be able to drive one of the cars um so there was this and i suppose i put an awful lot of pressure on myself to get it right to obviously not crash the cars and and all that Um, was it something that you went out did you go try and seek out the cars and arrange it all or was it brought to you as an opportunity it was brought to me, so I knew James Cottingham. Um, we sort of 
met and chatted in the past and then he sent me uh, uh, WhatsApp randomly um, a few, I suppose, a few months ago now and said, what would be the greatest group test that you could possibly imagine with three cars in? And I knew that they'd had the CLK GTR in and so I sort of almost cheekily just went, well, it's going to be F1 911 GT1 CLK GTR. He went, yep. And that was it. And he said, I think we need to, we need to do this test. Do you want to film it for Carfection? And that was, that was it. Uh, so it's one of those things I don't, I don't know that you could have sort of really chased this test and ever made it happen. I could have spent years and years and years of my life trying to make it happen and not, not make it happen. Yeah. And, and if so, you tried yeah, to chase it yourself, it would be oof, a disaster. Yeah. It just wouldn't, it exactly. just would, it would be debasing is what it, I could do. That's what I was saying. I was like, I want, I was like, God, I hope Henry didn't have to debase himself too much to arrange <laughs> this. Is why, that's why, that's why I asked you that question. I wanted you to give me the answer that you ended up giving me. And that's like the brilliant part of doing what we do. If you do a good job enough, somebody with the power will just come to you and say, you're the guy I want to do this amazing thing I've arranged. And like, if you have to go out and seek that on your own, it's fucking so debasing. <laughs> You'd have to make a lot of offers, I think, to, to, to individual owners. All these concessions, yeah, yeah. and then imagine the fucking favors you'd owe. I mean, the favors you would owe these, it would be disgusting. <laughs> it's incredible. You got a WhatsApp message like, "Hey Henry, what's your dream?" Here's my dream. Person's like, "I knew that." And here I it knew is. that. <laughs> yeah. And show up Monday. Welcome. It's make. A I ho hope you got cancer, kid. It's Make a Wish Day. Jeez. <laughs> that was gross. I'm sorry for saying that, but I, you know, not really because I went for it. And sometimes you got to do that. Um, <laughs> what is uh, DK? Is what a, a service shop for these type of cars? Yeah, so they've they've been known over the years to specialise in uh, Ferraris, um, and they have become yeah incredibly well known uh, sort of the, the world over really for specialising and sourcing these incredibly high end, incredibly rare cars um, and uh, servicing them, delivering them, selling them. Um, and there you are, yeah. And James is see they they compete in their cars as well, uh, as ah. so. Well, their yeah. shop looks not bad. I think that's a 250 exactly. LM that just looked like it was taken apart right there. Uh, so wow. The other, but to Heavy give you some idea of how good they are, on the day, they obviously brought various other cars along because we had Millbrook, you know, Patriot and all that. So they bought some other cars to shake down as well. So the EB110, you can see there, that was there. They had uh, three F40s there <laughs> um, on the day. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, which was was pretty incredible. Plus the, the three cars. Wow, that's wow. the most amazing. So so when you guys were taking a break from filming, they were taking out an F40 or an EB110 onto the circuit yep. just to like make sure they're running right. So yeah, it's called. So you have that's the called, greatest uh, concert That's happening. called allocation of resources. Appropriate I, no, I allocation know. of resources. So, it's a wow. We're in there, but yeah. I just can't believe like wow. You're, awesome. you're on a break that you're just hearing F40s go past you. Multiple. Yeah, Jeez. a couple F40s. It's <laughs> pretty strong. A flock of them. their website, by the way, is so frustrating. Every single vehicle either says price on request or sold. Yeah. I know. That's, that that yeah. is blue that's, ball. That's blue ball city right there. That's the level they're at. What do they actually just fucking Henry blow up their spot? What do they want for that one ten? I have no idea. 
I sort of, you know, it's, it's more than I can afford. Though. <laughs> more than you can afford, pal. Bugatti. <laughs> I actually drove a Ferrari SF90 at that intersection the other day. And I looked up and I just said, more than you can afford, pal, Ferrari, because I was in a Ferrari at the intersection where that occurred on PCH and felt very good about myself. I don't know why. Um, okay, so you're there, you arrive, DK has brought yeah. these cars, you do the standard issue, wander around, stare at stuff and go, oh my God, look at that, oh my God, look at that, oh my God, look at that, oh my God, look at that. And then, then we got the statics. You get the static stuff first, so we've done most of that uh, a few days before with the F1 and the uh, CLK GTR at DK Engineering. So the stuff you saw me sitting in the cars and things like that, um, some of the statics. So to take some of the pressure off the day um, yeah. of driving, we got that. Before. I really liked your, when I saw you do the get in the car and be like, what's it like to get in this car and sit around? Mm -hmm. Part of me was like, he's doing a very good job describing this. And the other part of me, the video producer part, was like, wow, this is a great way to use three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because obviously you've got, not because it's I'm talking about filler, but I'm talking about anticipating that you have very limited time. You know, yeah. you got to get the drive-bys at the same time you get the mounts, at the same time you get the in-car. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. We're not going to, we knew we weren't going to get the sort of access that we would normally expect with a press car so you know normally we go out and shoot it and have it all day and i go up and down a road however many you know, what feels like hundreds of times um we weren't going to get that so we had uh, three guys there filming um to get the most we could uh, obviously and also it depends where we can stick cameras and stuff on the outside of the car to um, get the what we call bolt-on shots um stuff like that so it was a case of making the absolute most we did the statics with all three cars together first in the day we also had Anne Morgan making uh, photos for a feature that I've just written for Octane magazine so that should be out this week I think um, so we had to get those as well um, so there's obviously no, that sort of pressure on it so we got did all the static stuff first and then it was uh, yeah slight case of waiting for the weather as well and then yeah I saw rain on windshields that's got to, when you all of a sudden yeah. are seeing, I mean, you're British, you drive in the rain a lot, but it's these cars and you and you go, fuck me, it's raining. What am I going to do? Stay out of boost. Yeah. <laughs> Stay out of power. Did, band. You just, did you just go, oh, fuck me. Come on, please. Not today. Uh, a little bit. I I like driving in the rain. I'm, I'm weird like that. Um, I, I love wet circuits and um, I suppose it's the rally driver in me, but um um, so I don't don't mind it too much, but yeah, there, it does up the ante um, a fair fair bit. And there was a bit actually in the film, the first first lap out I went out in the F1, um, and it's like I say, the, the Alpine Hill route, including the name, it's obviously a fairly undulating course, and it goes up to a big left-hand hairpin, then dives the hill to a sort of pressure that goes right at the bottom, and you sort of have to break because then there's a not quite junction bit. Uh, just after it and I remember coming downhill and literally the first lap breaking relatively hard and just feeling as, as the whole thing is <laughs> cambered around right, just feeling that V12 behind me start to go around and actually having to catch it um, and then sort of keep going so that was a, yeah that, that got my attention <laughs> bit, I had to say because um, the, the F1 is such a it, it is um, I sort of said I said it in the film that 
you know, you've got this monster engine that's so sharp and responsive, and then you've got this chassis that is actually quite sort of um, languid, I suppose, in terms of uh, its suspension and those sort of tall sidewalls and stuff. So you have to be quite delicate with it, and you, you really have to think about you know, your inputs and your combinations of steering and throttle and brake and all that sort of thing, um, and managing weight transfer uh, in it. It's sort of, yeah, probably the most intimidating of the three to drive, I think, to that extent. Wow. Which actually is interesting considering it was like uh, not really the the road car of it didn't seem so much as an afterthought as the as the other two. Right. You know, mm. it, McLaren F1 no, to me as a road car very much. What? Designed very much as a as a road yeah. car first and foremost. And they didn't want to take it racing at all. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the other two cars went the other way around, where the road car is just this necessary side effect of wanting to build a crazy race car. Mm-hmm. That's the irony. So you think the McLaren be the friendlier one? You think it's it's got this cannon lit match thing behind yeah. you, and then and I've heard that from other people who are German as well that they they feel a bit soft, like softly sprung sidewall, etc. Yeah, you know, they lean a bit. And I've heard I've heard from a few people that the brakes suck more than you, more than you expect them to. <laughs> Although. Yeah, we had. Um, thankfully, this one didn't. The brakes didn't really squeal very much on this one. Um, I did drive. Um, I've, so I've driven three now, which yeah, there's no sort of. Ugh, I kind of hate say you. that. I'm sorry. Um, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I'm trying to flex or something. But anyway, second one I drove, the brakes on it squealed like anything, and that uh, on video is, as you can imagine, uh, quite annoying because there's nothing nothing you can do and particularly on a really tight hairpinny road you are just braking all the time yeah yeah um, yeah you got to put like a lower third that's just like i'm sorry it's not me <laughs> what do you, yeah it sucks <laughs> but the other thing that's great about that circuit with those cars is no three-point turns mm-hmm. i mean you want to talk about the logistics of shooting the cars like that on a fucking road and having to make th- man three point turns in a fucking CLK GTR <laughs> like oh my god what a nightmare! It looks like it has no uh, steering angle whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It just looks like it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just yeah, it's got no steering. It's got really tall first gear, obviously as well because it's designed for Le Mans. Um, so you, you know, by the time you're off the clutch, you're doing like thirty miles an hour, and, <laughs> and then um, and reverse itself. I didn't actually show this in the film but the, the sort of the little uh cue ball silver cue ball down on the transmission tunnel next to you that's how you get reverse but i saw other people trying to get and it sort of almost takes two hands to kind of sort of lift it up every time you want to do it and of course you've got to make all this yeah what do you actually do with it it's an up yeah it's this kind of an, an, an up uh, motion so yeah it's weird it, it, it's yeah don't understand at all it does. It does seem like. Well, you know that car is a mixture of incredibly beautiful and incredibly ungainly. It manages to work. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it, it yeah. looks cool, but also a bit weird. Yeah, uh, that dashboard yeah, is just wonky as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's just it is so bizarre. It's um, and stuff like the steering wheel, which was apparently actually, um, is a. It, it's not just straight off. A road car they they it was made purposely for that car but it's just a shrunken version of what you would find obviously in a in a you know, mid-late 90s uh, mercedes Salina so or something and it has like an airbag right yeah 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 it's a yeah. removable steering wheel a removable steering wheel with an airbag has that ever That's happened cool. on any other car i don't I, think so i feel like more track cars would have it 
Have you, Henry, have you ever heard of another car that has a removable airbag steering wheel? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. No. Um, no, because most of the, so the removable steering wheels that I've used have always been sort of Cajuns or Atom or something like that. What do you think uh, it costs so, yeah. to fucking homologate for 30 cars and <laughs> a removable <laughs> airbag steering wheel? Like, that's a crazy. And I didn't realize, which I learned from your film, that McLaren or that Mercedes bought, cut up, and reverse engineered a McLaren F1 to develop the GTR. Whoa. That is crazy. I mean, not as expensive yeah. then as it is now. I mean, so, true. Good point. Yeah. In period, Back it was then. an $800,000 car, or 800,000 pounds, right, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it would have been, wow. yeah, because the prices have, even since the first time I ever drove an F1, which I think we insured for we insured for $5 million, uh, at the time, and that was probably 10 years ago. Um and it's probably 20 million now or something like that. I don't know what it was in short when, for. When you drive the CLK, can you feel that uh, the F1, that bits that they kind of stole from it or borrowed, and then can you see where they went a different direction? I mean, obviously the seating is different. There's two instead of three, but you know, are, are there things you look at and you go, they got this idea from McLaren? Oh, no, to be honest. In a way, not. I, th I think it was... Um, because it feels the CLK really feels the the most modern and quite a sort of quite a leap on, um, and it's and it's still so track biased as opposed to the F1. It would be interesting. I've never driven an F1 GTR or LM, so perhaps that would be different. Perhaps you would feel more similarities um, in that respect. But the the merch just feels so so wide and stays so flat um, when it corners and you, you feel all that sort of stiffness in the in the tub and um so yeah it, it they feel very different all three cars feel very different actually the gt1 and the gtr probably feel the most similar but again you can feel the extra sort of rigidity in the the carbon aluminium honeycomb tub of the, of the mercedes so those cars are basically 25 years old now ish average uh, yes average yeah, 25 yeah. years old give or take Enough that I can feel comfortable saying that. What would you say, because you drive even more than, than we do, what would you say you had to spend, go get in today's, uh, you know, consumer grade super supercar market to get that level of performance? Well, that's a very interesting point because when I turned up at that test, I had in... Uh, a Ferrari Roma um, uh -huh. that week, which I fast car day. And it, exactly, yeah. And it, but it, and it occurred to me that actually um, that has probably as much, if not more, performance as the CLK GTR because it has the Ferrari has six hundred and eleven brake horsepower, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, nominally the CLK GTR has six hundred and four brake horsepower. And CLK GCR weighs fourteen forty kilos. Uh, the yeah, Ferrari finds going to be a bit more, but what I'm saying is obviously you've got the the baby Ferrari now, which probably has more performance than um, that yeah, CLK yeah. GTR, which wow. is just extraordinary. It blows my mind. Yes, yeah, speed is um, pretty easy to come by. 
Um, you can I lease mean, it, it for 88 months. Uh, yeah, 88 yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I, I assume, I imagine you've driven, you've tried the new the new GT3, and and one of the things that's nice about the GT3 is is either for regulatory reasons or choice reasons, they were like, you know, 500 horsepower was good. You, you know, yeah. like doesn't need we don't need to find a way to make this thing 580 or five, you know, whatever. Like it sort of stops that horsepower war a little bit. Well, they're in a good position where they they have other things that have more power. So right, Porsche, the turbo yeah, is a different mean, story. And, and Tycon and all that stuff. So they're they're yeah. smart in that way. But it's kind of like you know it's 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 and and Henry, you probably drove SF90 like a year ago, but we only got to drive it last week because it takes That's a long time to get cars here from Italy, but. Crazy, right? I mean, just so accessible, 985 horsepower. What the fuck? I haven't driven it yet. But, oh, really? But yeah, I can imagine. We got one! We got yeah, one! No. <laughs> America! <laughs> fuck yeah! No. <laughs> Except he just, got a, he just got a WhatsApp message from someone saying, I, I have an F1 GTR. You said you haven't driven one. That's true. So. If, I got a, if I got a WhatsApp message from a random person that sent that, I would block them. I'd be like, this is a scam. They want my money. They want me. To, they're like, you just have to send me ten thousand dollars to this Nigerian bank account, and I'll make these three cars appear. No, with SF ninety, it's you know now you've got. Um, before it was kind of like to get the thousand horsepower, you either had to go Koenigsegg, which is like you know crazy town, alien spacecraft, or you had to uh, uh, go Bugatti, which is you know very heavy and um, you know very much a product of the Volkswagen Auto Group, although it's an extraordinary uh, thing. You know what I mean? It just feels kind of familial in that way. This feels like a F8 or a 488, just with like you know Star Wars shit on it. <laughs> like it's just it's just it's like a 488, but now when you smash the gas, instead of getting that. That that little skedaddle, you know, that you get as it fights for traction through second and third gear. Now, you, what you have is a nine-second car at every every single stoplight, which is just like we got the same roads, we got the same drivers. Like, what's going on? It's it is insane, isn't it? And I think it's and it's sort of been home obviously with the EVs and the sort of the fact that they do these ridiculous 60 times but I, I always try and tell people that when when I first joined Evo how many years ago it was I could have quoted all of the facts and figures and 060 times in the back of the magazine sort of I just just knew them because I was car geek and, and the magazine and all that and you you hang off these these figures and then within probably two years of being at Evo I don't think I could have told you any of the facts and figures because you suddenly start to realize that they don't really mean anything in real life that they are top trumps figures but you can have a car that does 0-60 in three seconds and feels pretty dull almost and you can have a car that does 0-60 in four seconds and feels incredibly exciting in the way it does it and so yeah the how is more important than the what ultimately yeah. Yeah, How long yeah. do you think it is before people un realize that accelerating zero to 60 in like under three seconds is actually physically uncomfortable and we should just stop? <laughs> like, it's like, going to happen. The more people have electric cars, the more people are going to realize this because it's just, yeah, you do it, do it once and it's, that's it. You, you have no desire really to, to do it again. There is something as well about the way that an electric car accelerates 
that is peculiarly you know disquieting i suppose yeah it sort of just seems to rearrange your insides in a way that's not very nice and because you do the same in uh, i'm sure you're doing the latest 911 turbo s and uh-huh. which is just a, an absolute spaceship and, and does not to 62 as fast as um a tesla it, it just takes off but it's not weirdly as uncomfortable do you think because reason? the sound prepares our body yeah. for the experience mm. because we've just associated it and when you don't have that your body doesn't like tense up and get ready in like the same way it's really bad if you're a passenger. If you're a passenger in an EV, it's, you get really ill. Yeah, you smacked <laughs> like, my head into the chair like, yeah. a couple weeks ago. I really wasn't ready. That wasn't a planned bit at all. It wasn't. <laughs> just bam. Yeah, the Taycan Turbo S is like you will make somebody very ill <laughs> quickly. <laughs> but yeah, what do you see as, you know, Andrew Frankel was on the show a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, peak car was 2010, and we are, we are past peak car. We've lost the plot. Do you do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I've said for a while now that I think the um, it was what sort of E ninety uh, for BMWs or M threes and nine nine sevens for nine um, elevens. It, it sort of felt a little bit like manufacturers have been trying hard to tread water since then. Um, yeah, it's sort of in terms of performance, but engagement and and all that sort of. Uh, stuff because legislation has come along and it's i'm not saying it's their fault that they want to do that they've been trying to combat it it just it does feel a little bit like that and it doesn't mean that the current cars aren't aren't fun by far from it and there are some absolute gems in there stuff like m2 cs is a car i absolutely adore and yeah um it's possible that thing was that's very good w ever um, is it as expensive in the uk as it is here because the price tag here is a little almost parody yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, you'd buy an M2 competition and, and you know, put have some suspension tweaks done. That's that's the the obvious way to to go. But as a just you know, ignoring it, it was my Evo car of the year last oh, year. Oh yeah, so sort of out of its light when it's up against you know, seven six five LT and stuff like that. Suddenly the extra does seem quite so in the crazy world we live in. Um, not I inhabit. Um, doesn't seem that weird suddenly but but yes uh, it is expensive <laughs> to paraphrase uh, a friend of ours recently it's the best press car ever <laughs> <laughs> um but i but i agree with you know we actually right now uh, in the driveway we have a uh, an m3 uh, competition new one and what do you it think? is what do we think it's yeah. fast and it's comfortable ours is Ours is a color scheme that I think would be the grand prize for the Miss Brazil Bum Bum competition because it is literally painted nuclear waste green yeah. with a uh, blue and up. yellow. It's the color of a bikini for sure. It's, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Brazilian flag. It's the color of the Brazilian flag. It's crazy, this color. And I don't know about these seats. Have you tried the, the, the buckets? Yes, I have. Yeah, I like them. You like the bucket. 
Yeah, I don't like well, it. Well, it's maybe is it because I'm fat and you're thin? Is that why? Once I'm in it, uh, it's okay, but it is pretty tight, and you can't adjust like the lower supports at all. The, yeah, the, the width. So like, it's a pretty narrow seat. I mean, it's it's not that. It's, it's just climbing over these. Yeah, like it, I, getting that in seat the driver's would be seat awesome. Is in far a... more difficult than passenger as well. Oh really? Yeah, with the wheel there. Like, oh, with it's the like wheel getting there. That's into, true. Like a track car. That's like what I'm saying. Like yeah. I can't imagine who wants those seats and also wants a sedan. Like who? Yeah. <laughs> where is this customer that's like, give me the big four door car with the super carbon buckets that have a thing that separates my balls? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the seat? Can you get a picture of the seat, Zach? Henry, describe this seat's ball separating device because it sounds better coming from an Englishman. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. Do you, so it's. Um, it's weird because it looks like it's designed for you to have a sort of some sort of six point harness, basically sort of crotch strap. Um, sort <laughs> but of there's like no hole. Saddle. But <laughs> exactly, but there's no hole. So it's like I, I don't ride horses, but um, but I, <laughs> I, I think saddles are made in the same sort of way. Actually, no. What it reminded me of is um, in winter toboggans those little ones that you oh buy. yeah the top it's one, a sled you take seat the bottom out of that you've got the handles <laughs> either side yes. and, yeah you take it out gets you to the top of your hill you go sliding down on that and then obviously when you hit something at the bottom it's going to crunch into your knackers and that's really going to hurt but, Dude, but you know what i mean that's, that's, that's what it is. definitely it's a, sled. a sled seat that's so funny that's perfect see have an englishman <laughs> describe it it's better that's why they hire that's why they hire you it's just better. No, but when you get in it, like when you get in the driver's seat, I don't put my wallet in my back pocket because I don't like to sit on my fucking wallet because right. it turns your spine sideways. Yeah. But when you get in it and you sit on that hump, you go, all of a sudden, I'm like, I've got a wallet in my back pocket. And you have to like scoot over this funky The seat hump makes you thing. sit in one spot. Right. And yeah. then what happens yeah. is the, the those big thigh bolsters that have the handles on them that Henry was just talking about, they point your feet straight, which in a race car is fine because the pedals are just straight in front of you. But in this car, the pedals are straight in front of you. But sometimes when you're driving, you want to put your left foot on the dead pedal. And the seat doesn't actually allow you to move your – if you try to put your foot on the dead pedal, it will leave an indentation in your left leg because that angle isn't actually possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your we drive on the left in this country. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not going to be that guy. The seat's basically dictating where your legs are going. Even in the passenger <laughs> yeah. seat, it makes your left leg shoot out toward mm -hmm. the transmission tunnel. And I realized when I was sitting there that they actually like knurled or bent in the transmission tunnel where your foot lands so that it would, wouldn't just pressing into the tunnel. <laughs> it, like That's how aggressively the seat is directing your legs. Henry, have you ever determined that some cars are dis designed, they know they have to build this car in right-hand drive, and you just know that the person who designed it said, fuck these fucking limeys in their right-hand drive cars, and they just ruined the ergonomics completely? Uh, so, well, you, you definitely notice uh, things. I'm, actually, I mentioned it in the GT3 film, because obviously you've got the, the nice shift from uh, a 991 in there, which means you can shift with it. Um, instead of using the paddles but in a right hand drive car you always have to push it away from you which seems counterintuitive because really obviously it's fine in a left hand drive car because oh, yeah. you push oh, it across you move it towards you, so towards you. Yeah, to yeah. but in a right hand drive car you've now got to reach further across to get it um, you look in sort of pretty much any Audi and their drive select button um, which is always placed at the furthest point 
on the sort of dash sort of going it's just awkward to reach if you're in a right-hand drive car um obviously if your left-hand drive car is right there uh, nice and easy to get to it's also in the again obviously audi has stopped doing its shifters now so you've just got a little sort of button to select drive or reverse or whatever but when they had the proper shifters it was even worse because the drive select button was actually hidden behind the selector so you couldn't select it to try and change modes over on wow. the other side so yeah you can tell that wasn't uh, in the right drive wasn't really a big plan for for them um, so yeah you do get it certainly occasion <laughs> i remember i had a i got a cls 63 shooting brake as a press car when i was in the uk and i was just it's a really cool car i mean it was awesome yeah. but but uh the pedal box was like this was not designed for this side of the car at all like just the spacing of everything was so weird there was nowhere to put your le- it was really strange that was like they probably hate england and did this for them <laughs> the weirdest one i've ever driven was um, or the most offset pedal I think I've ever driven. Um, and uh, this is going to be another clang, but uh, go to a festival of speed, you get to drive some really cool stuff. I drove a 250 LM. Oh, yeah. And that feels, uh, for a 250 LM, so that feels like it was designed, and I think it probably was actually, with just being single seat because it was originally going to be a prototype and then it was a GT, um, so it had to have two seats, but the pedals are basically in the middle. So it feels like it was just designed to have one central seat. And then somebody went, oh, no, 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 it's got to be, you know, <laughs> two seats in there. And they went, all right, okay, uh, <laughs> fine, we'll put two seats in there. And we'll kind of jiggle the wheel across, but pedals, yeah, it's not really going to, it's got the wheel arches in there, so that's not going to work. So, um, you know, Giuseppe, what, what sort of shape are you? Gene, does this work? Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah, okay. Send it off. Well, it is a very small uh, cockpit in the middle of the. It's really they they push it in the middle in the 250 LM. That's what 1966, six seven. Uh, Yeah, what was it? Because it came uh, sixty four five. Four was the yeah yeah, six right something like that yeah. Cool car, neat looking. Yeah, the Dino is the same thing. The Dino's pedals are ridiculously offset too. If you, if you have not it's had a Golden Dino, it's very slow and very pretty, and it sounds nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, look at this. So here's an onboard shot of, of an allegedly... Is this you driving? Yeah, this driving. Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. So, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the dashboard of the car, <laughs> yeah, definitely backs up Henry's claim here. <laughs> Absolutely. That is some view out the front. That's crazy. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What is that like to drive? Uh, it is. It's just, it's just. It's kind of dominated by the engine to some extent. Sort of. It's like something you drive it. I look good with. You have this bizarre. So we talk about pressure. You've got everybody watching you. Um, and generally, it's a car. I mean, I'd never driven that car before. Uh, so you just got to jump in it and get on with it, really, and sort of try and drive it quickly enough that people, you know, you don't hold up the people behind you but not crash it at the same time because nobody really cares if you go a little bit slowly but everybody cares if you crash it so um <laughs> but the, the engine sounds just amazing like colombo v12s are just utterly utterly glorious um the gearbox was terrible on that um really horrible uh just so awkward and designed to sort of like make you feel uh, stupid 
terrible, <laughs> terrible because it was, it was loose and difficult to find the gates, or terrible. Um, I don't know. Was it just, just hard to, to operate? Gear. So you just just trying to you know match the revs on it. You had to double the clutch it, um, and it just didn't have. It wasn't a particularly sort of really wasn't a particularly satisfying shift either. And I've driven earlier Ferraris, um, and in fact, there's. Uh, company in this country called Bell Sport and Classic it's just on a, a sort of it's not a resto modern replica sort of doing it a disservice of a 330 LMB and that has the most that's that's a sort of representative of what I think of a uh, Ferrari gearbox with a sort of um, well know, so in those 330 so positive yeah in those 330 LMBs and that's the that's the evolution of the 250 GTO right that after yeah. that it's that one yeah. year right weren't those like literally like top loader gearboxes where it's front engine rear drive and the shifter just goes right into the it's like a mechanical linkage as opposed to what is probably maybe even a cable linkage for the lm right because it was rear or mid yeah. mid rear right i wonder if yeah. that's why because i know what you're talking about like a gto i've never driven a gto but i sat in one and felt the fucking gearbox and i was like oh yes this is good yeah. this is very good must have this <laughs> I think that just goes right into the transmission, though. Yeah, it's just it's the most satisfying because you get it's weird though because you get sort of Astons of the same period and they're always very sort of delicate little shifts that feel slightly like you just need to you know caress is the right word them you need to look after them and sort of give them a bit of time and stuff like that. Whereas the Ferrari, you just want to just pull it back and it's so so mechanical and positive and, and lovely. Man, what do you got to do to get to the level where it goes beyond just just the the hot press cars, and it's like you, you you're being invited to drive Ferrari two fifty variants at Goodwood? What what does it take to get to that level? You manage Evo for ten years? <laughs> yeah, I guess is that Evo business card that does it? <laughs> I have no idea. I still feel I, I still can't quite believe it happens. I genuinely we said at the beginning of that um, sort of series of films, it feels like a dream of pinching yourself, and it really. It really does, and you know the times that I've rung my parents up afterwards, and sort of because they were you know, um, are uh, massive car fans, and you know took me down to Goodwood long before it was you know, re recreated into what it is now, and uh, we go to MG Car Club meetings and stuff like that, and see um, cars there, and and just to be able to ring them up and say you'll never guess what I've just just driven, know that they'll appreciate. It's and sort of you know I'm still that little boy that sort of you know, loved cars and it's it's extraordinary. Um, I I genuinely can't believe that I get to do what I get to do sometimes. Yeah, at uh, at the other end of the spectrum, not talking about mm. Ferrari 250s and GT1 uh, homologation cars. What's uh, what's good at the at the entry level that you've driven recently that's worth that's worth recanting? What's good at uh, the you my, know my car, my car obviously. Um, which is a £1,500 um, Clio 182. Oh, yeah. 2004. <laughs> it's got lovely bodywork, so it's black paint, but it's also got it's speckled with grey because um, when somebody was painting the railings recently, it sort of splattered the, the paint from that onto the car. Nice. Um, it's got a mystery dent just in front of the rear arch. It's got another mystery dent on the roof, actually, which I'm not quite sure where that's come from. Um, but it's brilliant, and I love it. Um, and it with those dents absolutely. in the paint, there's freedom in not giving a fuck. Mm, exactly. Yes. Yeah. If somebody opens the door into it, then well, yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's the story, isn't it? So. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, 
Yeah. Are you so, spoiled? Are you I'm, spoiled enough with uh, with your gig that you don't have aspirations of uh, of ownership of really nice cars? Uh, I think it's strange because because we're really lucky and we get to drive all these things. I, I don't know what you find, but I think you tend to get very picky about what you would actually own simply because you you kind of narrow it down into what you really really like in a car. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I can objectively give a car five stars because I can recognize that it's doing everything brilliantly, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to own it because I've now driven so many that I understand exactly what floats my boat in terms of you know, dynamics and mm-hmm. um, how it handles and, and what I want. And it's generally, it's not speed most of the time. I mean, I think the sort of, um, I've just been writing for the Intercooler about why I own my Mark II Escort rally car. Uh, which is definitely not quick, um, but I love it. And it's the the chassis balance and the way that that flows and just puts a smile on my face. I've driven um, one of those. I know. I know why you own it. It rules. <laughs> <laughs> those are awesome. They're really good fun. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty good fun. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably, I, I would love to own sort of um, stuff. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd still there's there's things out there. You know, nine eleven at some point I would. I still as far to own some sort of 911. Um, who doesn't? Uh, I suppose certainly in terms of journalists. Um, and yeah, it's just whether or not you're going to buy the cheapest one for sale in America and make it a thing. <laughs> or <laughs> yes, of course. There's your your Mark II. We've got a photo of it. The blue wheels are really they make it. Those are good. Oh, thank you. But sadly, they've just been painted, so they're now gold. Uh, oh, gold works too. <laughs> I like gold. Gold's it's good. Going, so it's going. Yeah, it's it's being, it's in several pieces now that escort because the engine was, um, well, kaput basically. It's it's um, it wasn't very healthy, and the chap that was taking it apart just kept texting me, sort of, this is shot, this is shot, that's gone, this is not looking good, that's cracked. Um, so eventually, just threw the whole thing away and um, to start again. Um, so we're starting with a new livery as well. So it's going to be red with gold wheels, and uh, yeah, it's. Are you going to do rallying in it, or is that just a fuck-around car? No, definitely do rallying in it. So that's why I bought it. Um, because when I did, I was very lucky. I did the British Rally Championship um, in 2008 uh, in a Suzuki Swift as part of a one-mate championship. Uh-huh. And uh, did the Jim Clark Rally again in 2012 as part of the British Rally Championship. And But getting blagging, blagging rallying is not very easy. Racing... I think it's probably easier to um, convince manufacturers to let you have a go in their race yeah. cars, but not many of them have rally cars. Uh, and I kind of want to a little to keep risky. Rallying, so. <laughs> Even on a good rally, it gets fucked up. And for the uh, for the non uh, for the Americans in the room, bla- the translation of blagging to an American is like um, copping, uh, bogarting, bumming, um, uh, borrowing, but with Getting malice. Getting somebody else to pay for it. Getting someone else to fund your yeah 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 yeah. Dear Hyundai, we don't use, we, they don't use that word over here. I had to have I had to actually stop Chris Harris mid conversation and be like, I'm sorry, what the fuck did you just say? Because I thought he meant like eating someone's asshole or something. He said blagging. <laughs> uh, what's on the horizon now that you've now that you've spent time d- uh, doing that? You know. Your last video doesn't make your next one, bud. 
what's up? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not going to be that guy. But really, what's coming up? Uh, have a holiday for a couple of weeks. All right. Um, but oh yeah, you said this was the last thing you do before you go on holiday. You're off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. First time in a couple of years, so um, have a, a wee break. But now I've got so I'm frantically getting stuff, uh, voiceover and stuff done. So people have got things to edit and we've got things to go out whilst I'm away. So it'll be seamless. Nobody will know that I've I've gone anywhere. That's perfect. Um, That's awesome. Like you but, just autopilot uh, your uploads and just do it. It's like, no, no, I'm, a, I'm definitely at work right now. I swear. <laughs> the content is flowing. So I must be there at my desk. <laughs> uh, so we've got um, a car you drove, actually. Literally, the car that you drove, um, chassis 21. I think the Mustang, uh, the Shelby GT500, um, that one in Gravel Line um, that you drove oh, yeah. ages ago, probably. Oh, that yeah. The one with no awesome. carbon wheels? Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. I drove that forever ago. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I saw. Uh, but how but yeah, good is that car? I mean, okay. that car is pretty, so pretty next level, right? Yeah. Really, really, really good. Um, the gearbox in it is phenomenal. I mean, not just kind of like sort of good for muscle cars. Sort of, it, it's it's a really, really good dual clutch transmission. That Tremac, isn't it? Yeah. Have you tried the Corvette as well? No. No, not tried the Corvette yet. So. The Corvette is really very good, especially Z51, you know, with Mag Ride and all that kind of stuff. It's it's fucking shockingly good to drive. It, the, the, the gearbox, it's the same gearbox as in the Shelby, um, the same Tremec. So it's you know it's you can understand mid engine. It's like a it's like a basically imagine someone had a four five eight and they blew the engine and they replaced it with a Corvette engine, and that's what it is. Fair pretty good. I look forward to it. That sounds yeah. nice, doesn't yeah. it? It's like pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's basically me. what it is. And they yeah. also had to make a couple of their own body panels, so it looks a little bit different. But well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it. The SF90, I can't unsee this now. The SF90 is a Corvette from the front, a Lotus Avora from the side, and a Huracan Evo at the rear. And I you can't think it's a unsee from that. The front? Really? I think it's the Corvette from the front. Which from which generation? Like the C8? new one, current Corvette. Oh, I totally disagree. I think the SF is very round, which is nice. It's In round. Yeah. Every car is getting super angular. I like it that is more it's round. round. That's true. Um, the Evora thing, I do understand. The Evora thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, did the the people have spoken? We have some questions mm-hmm. for Henry. Do you mind? Do you want Ooh. to answer some people's questions, Henry? Yeah. They they be have been best. filtered. <laughs> so everything in bold is kind of for him. They have been filtered in order of who donated the most money. No, what? <laughs> no. Uh, JFG blah 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 says which of the three, and I don't. I almost don't even want to actually ask this because it's in the conclusion of the video, which you should go watch. <laughs> but that's the. Can answer. you determine? Can you? Are you willing to share which was your your favorite? And I know in the video you didn't. Your favorite came with caveats of circumstance. But if you, on further reflection, have a new conclusion, what do you got? It's. It has to be the F one. Um, it's still, for all, like I said in the, the video, for all its sort of idiosyncrasies and the fact that it's you know it's, it's not perfect, but it's just an amazing thing to be around i grew up loving that car anyway um and that engine is just phenomenal um, yeah of any road car ever to have access to that engine so almost regardless of the rest of the car um yeah it would be something you would love having in your life i think 
Did you uh did you ever have a go in speed tail? No. No, not how to go speed I was going to give I was going to see if you could give me a center seat driving comparison with a modern car, but never mind. Um ask Adam Adam says ask Henry about the Millbrook Bowl autopilot. Oh, yes. So as you go up the lanes um at Millbrook, each has a hands-off speed. So uh-huh. sort of 10 miles an hour lowest down and it goes up to 40 miles an hour and it should be 100 miles an hour um, hands off in the top lane of the bowl um, so there was a <laughs> Colin Goodwin um, tells a fantastic story that he uh, did it in a Bentley and decided that he would really test the Bentley's I suppose cruise control by getting up to the top lane putting it in cruise control and then climbing into the back seats oh my god Ooh, that's gnarly yeah, and I think he says that just as he was climbing between the two front seats to get into the back, he heard the audible click as the auto um, <laughs> the cruise control went off. So yeah, uh, you've never seen Colin Goodwin move quite so quickly. Whoa! Just try and get back into the driver's seat. <laughs> Whoa! I thought you were honestly about to say right as he was between the two, he heard the car hit the guardrail. Yeah, <laughs> he, he heard the crunching of metal. <laughs> And saw sparks flying oh past the outside window. <laughs> was it just there's this perfect speed where the the angle of the road is pulling the car down, but the yeah. centrifugal force of the speed exactly. is putting yeah. it balances out? Yeah. <laughs> test that. I mean, you can do you know you can experience that if you ever get to drive a, a NASCAR circuit or a Roval where there's a certain speed where you just you don't have to turn the wheel. You just enter it, and the, the car will just go. And it's usually a pretty high a higher speed than you think. Wow, that yeah. setting cruise control, getting in the back is gnarly. No, that's that's, that's fucking crazy. You know, yeah, don't do that. Wow. Especially don't do it in your Tesla, you fucking right. idiots. I mean, Colin Goodwin built a plane in his shed, so that, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah he did. He did. He lands in his backyard, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Does yeah. he really? Yeah, he lives like his, the back. His backyard is a field that's large enough that he can fly. That you and can take land off a fucking there. plane yeah, yeah. in it. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. His, uh, his podcast on Harris's show is really interesting. Wow, that's G. They're selling uh, Frank Sinatra's estate in Palm Desert right now. Just got listed for sale, $4.5 It's up in the mountain above Palm Desert because it's cooler mm. and it's got a helipad on it. Sick. Fucking boss. I remember that's awesome. Past there. Old in Blue a, Eyes. The mountain launch. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's like a, you know, on the, the press, on the press launch. What, what launch were you on? Uh, it was uh, Vito Vantage S and Vanquish Roadster, I there think. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And, and like Thermal Area, Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have that amazing road. Um, it's, um, uh, yeah, I remember The 74, to the, it's the 74 up to uh, Idlewild. It is a, it's a yeah, fabulous, it. it's a fabulous fucking road. There's sort of like one junction up there with sort of somewhere you can stop and get a drink, and there's a... Um, estate agents or realtors across there in in there and i remember seeing it we yeah stuff for sale yeah that road is that road is brilliant and there and that's exactly where uh where that estate is matter of fact uh andrew says first off the uh the gt1 series was awesome uh i'm moving to the uk from the us what forbidden fruit car should i buy a hot clio like henry what car should he buy that he can't get in america well firstly thank you um or I suppose what would it be? I mean, the hot car at the moment, obviously, you can't get is the GR Yaris. That's um, true. Oh. That's the one. Is obviously um, the one that you you can't get over there. But I do. Yeah, and as 
there's various things. Um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, but I'd say, yeah, something, if you come across the UK, sort of that sort of hot hatch scene that you guys don't really get, that's the thing to tap into and um, and find because they're just some brilliant cars and they fit our roads. Um, so I think it's sort of, they make sense over here as well. Even if you could get them across, you know, they wouldn't necessarily make as much as much sense. So yeah. It's got to be the GR, right? The like, GR's you know, got to be it. We yeah. get some front-wheel drive hot hatches, but we don't get... Every time I go awesome, to the UK, I see a few people that have like, you know, some little 80 horsepower Peugeot with like Pana Sports and a fucking cage in it going by me at like 9,000 RPM. <laughs> and that's just how they get to work. That's great. That's, a, <laughs> that's pretty standard stuff over there. Or you can do Alpina A110 if he, it's a little more expensive than the Oh yeah, um, if you want to be GR. a real G, yeah. Alpine A110 is uh, yes. heavily yeah, yeah, endorsed yeah, by our previous guests. Of course, yes, yeah. Um, or Caterham, get a Caterham. Oh, oh good. God, we yeah. can get those here. We're just smart enough to not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, you couple buy, companies that import them. You can buy a Caterham here. They, they're just terrible. <laughs> uh, Bertie Redfern says, uh, "Hi, Henry, from your fellow Bobby Hatter. See if you can convince us to do the Rally Legends Festival in San Marino. What's that about?" Oh, yeah, Rally Legends is. Um, I've never been there, but I've seen so many videos from there, and it's uh, it's it's obviously crazy. All the fans up there, um, up in the the hills, and you get a load of basically sort of you get a load of WRC stars um, uh, going there and driving old rally cars. So they're getting oh. Group B stuff there, Group A stuff, and it's kind of not really about being timed. It's just about showing off and you know seeing the big flames and you get night stages and there's big jumps and it's all very very spectator friendly um cool so stuff Whoa, like, that you know, group is being driven really hard so it's not just kind of because they're rally cars and people that drive rally cars kind of if they own them they drive them and they drive them properly because they're designed to do big skids and um and do donuts and stuff like that so yeah it's it's just that looks awesome this is a fucking great yeah. event yeah, it yeah. is amazing. Night stages as well, so you can see the flame picture and you see because everybody who doesn't like light puns on cars. Uh, can you tell I like rather? Um, oh man, so, we're yeah. going through the list. Of, yeah. There's like they're doing a slideshow of cars and it's just like heavy yeah. hitter after heavy hitter after heavy hitter. You know, everything yeah. you ever wanted to see. Cool. Is, is this like the Goodwood Festival of Rally? Or yeah, it is a bit, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, because actually, if you ever go to Goodwood Festival Speed, then you should always try and go up. Nobody bothers going up to the rally stage, which is at the top of Festival Speed, so you keep walking up the hill. Um, and there's a rally stage, which is always quite quiet, but you get some fantastic stuff up there, and you go wander through the woods. And I didn't even know there was I a didn't rally even stage know there. That, No one talks that, about that. They don't talk about that in the mainstream like coverage. It's all about the hill climb. Yeah, yeah no, the rally rally stage is up there, and it's, um, it's treacherous in the wet. Um, I'm driving it in a Twingo. Um, which is because it's on they're on chalk up there so it becomes when it gets wet it gets mega slippery but it also mm. gets really slick and in a two-wheel drive car you can obviously shed um you sort of shed the mud from the driven wheels but then the rears on the twingo just become like slicks so then you have to oh drive my. around using the handbrake the whole time just to try and get the thing turn <laughs> because you kind of sort of it's uh, just drag itself out so yeah the just drive just around up. locked rear wheels <laughs> basically yeah, yeah. it's like the inverse so, of lunch tray racing it's a lunch tray that doesn't end. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I understand Michael's uh, question. Bicycle question. Oh, bicycle Henry question. Henry's very into cycling. Um, oh, all right. 26, 27 and a half, or 29? 
Oh, oh. So I'm currently, um, I'm currently on twenty-seven and a half. Um, I, I kind of still love twenty-sixes because I just sort of they're nimble. And I'm not that, I'm not that brilliant on a mountain bike, but um, uh, twenty-nine is definitely quick. If I was racing at all, then twenty-nine is is very good and, and fast. But um, yeah, I'm on twenty-seven and a half at the moment. Uh, I just can't believe how capable mountain bikes have gotten in recent years. So yeah, Mondraker Foxy Carbon R on 27 and a half inch wheels and what looked like to me motocross tires uh, on it. It's um, great. And they have like so motocross shocks on the front now with like 18 inches of travel. It's just crazy. Yeah. Insane. I really, this yeah. summer, can we go do mountain biking? Like I really want to try it. I've never yeah. done downhill mountain biking, but I like, it looks so fun. If there's a way I can do it without destroying my spine. Uh, check with your doctor and then yeah we, no for, i mean i mean that genuinely yeah um and then we could go to mammoth and ride yeah. downhill bikes and that do seems that stuff. fun yeah it's real fun you, it seems should, you should get um should get uh, brandon seminick uh, on your podcast and talk to him because he's obviously doing the uh, american uh, national Valley championship uh, at the moment alongside travis pastrana but he is the most fantastic mountain bike rider that's where he came from but somehow he's because he's talented uh, he's managed to transition into being a very good rally driver as well um so yeah let me try this cool. shit once before we start talking to the experts i feel like that's out of my league <laughs> I feel like, I feel like yeah. let me work my way up to that let me like try it once and be like oh yeah then i did the sweet just, jump you'll just go slow <laughs> yeah we, we can go riding i rode a yeah. lot in high school um there's like was, don't I mean, they map sure. out the mountain the same way they would like for skiing yep. where it's like green blue black yep well that that works mm -hmm. that's easy i'm good at following those maps uh anything else uh eric says oh luke says uh, best two car garage under forty thousand, and we'll give you, we'll we'll give you forty thousand pounds. Ooh, that's a um, tough one. That's not much money for two, two cars. Car garage under uh, forty thousand pounds. Two cars, forty thousand. Um, it's not much. Uh, so we're talking presumably used as well as. I mean, I yeah yeah you, for sure must be yeah yeah hmm? um, two car garage so. I got a real, I got a real hankering for. Uh, I love nine nine seven generation, nine elevens. So just kind of like a, like a Carrera. It wouldn't have to be even Carrera S, but manual nine nine seven. So that's probably gonna, good one of those for, um, say, twenty five grand or so. And All then, right. Um, and that leaves you Clio money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> um, would have to be an estate for me, so I could get kind of bikes and lob stuff in the back of it. Um, so yeah, probably be some sort of BMW estate. Probably. Um, I'm thinking, trying to think what the most fun one you could get for. Can you uh, put a bike rack on a caterer? <laughs> yeah, you can get, I've carried. You definitely I've carried could. Actually, the, the, the you'd have to put one, one of those suction rack. ones on the front bonnet. And you'd it would stretch to the you'd back. You have to have the bike in front of your engine, or in front of your windshield. I did do that once. Yeah, I did. There's a photograph somewhere on my Instagram. Actually, I had some sea sucker and things, and put a specialized engine on the bonnet of the cage. I didn't drive it anywhere. Um, <laughs> I listened to add, but it it looked quite funny. But, um, there must be a roll bar a roll bar mount that would be appropriate, yeah. probably right. I would yeah. I would love the daily Acadian for like six months if mm. I ever I would. I did one for I like six that. hours for a video, and I, I hated it. I hated it the whole time. <laughs> I'm not I did. Dr lie. I drove one for six months through winter um, without the roof. 
uh, <laughs> when I was younger and more stupid. Uh, and that was, um, it was good fun. It was sort of kind of, um, uh, you d- I did have a few sort of times where you'd do a journey of like an hour and a half and it would take longer to thaw out at the end of it than it had taken to do the journey in the first place. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think with those things, you kind of, you have to ditch the roof. It's the same. I drove a Morgan for best part of a year. Um, it's Morgan 4.4 Sport and that did have a roof and I kind of, but you just, it didn't work because it always used to, if it rained, it would spit at you because the water would just force underneath the roof and the header rail. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got if you a roof on, then you think, I should be dry and I shouldn't be getting wet. Whereas so that's not very pleasant. But if you take the roof off, then you assume you're going to get wet and you just have a tonneau and you sort of kind of you know, be all British about it. I kind of, ag- I kind of agree in. with you. If, you. if you're in a mindset of, I shouldn't be wet right now, there's a roof here, yeah. and you get wet mm-hmm. anyway, you're double pissed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> If anyone understands how rain works, it's got to be Morgan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Morgan, the plus four we had here as a press car was hilarious fun. I yeah. really, and it's it's a little too, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It was like almost $100,000 landed and assembled and everything in L.A. with all these options on it and hard to justify something like that, but it was the coolest. Yeah, it was it a was wonderful great experience. Great fun. It really was. Yeah. Uh, Dusty says, Henry, uh, two more, Henry. Uh, Henry, rumor that you're racing your Escort at the Nora 500. Is this true? Oh, uh, Nora 500. Don't know about that. I mean, I'm, the Escort will will be rallied again through a forest uh, somewhere. It's a forest set-up um, uh, car So, because I like driving on gravel. Um, and, uh, yeah, it will be out later this well no possibly not later this year because i'm not sure how much rallying will take place in the uk but um yeah it will definitely i'll definitely compete in it for say it's what it's what it's there for cool lastly uh jason would like you to tell us about the singer safari car oh yeah um the acs which are crazy town uh well i haven't i haven't seen it or um, other than the pictures that everyone else has, I'm hoping I'm going to get a, a go at it oh. at some point. Oh, the, the, the person asking the question was under the impression that it was the best, that you said it was, you drove it. Maybe he was thinking of the DLS? Did you drive the DLS? No, not driven DLS. I've, oh. driven, I've driven a singer um, uh, out, um, out in California. Um, and I've driven, I've driven Tut Hill Safari cars as well, which is obviously... Um, and they are brilliant um, and enormous amounts of fun. Um, and one, I think my one of my bucket list things um, to do to go and do the East African Safari Rally in a in a tile portion. Oh yeah, that is that more? Uh, is that event more of a like? Uh, it's not like stage rally. It's more like a, an overlanding like Dakari type event, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose so. It's a mixture of the the two. Um, I think it's definitely fast and, but I don't think they have the pace notes in quite the same way that um, you do for a stage rally here obviously um, yeah elephants move and stuff <laughs> although sometimes stuff moves here I, I did a uh, it, was the, it was the Ulster rally and we're allowed recce um, over here so you do sort of uh, I think we had two pass recce so you go around beforehand and obviously make your notes and all stuff and I remember there was a came through sort of between these houses and there it's up over a blind uh, right hand crest and it's about a three right, which in my notes, I mean, is about third gear. And 
as you came over, you kind of needed to know where the road was going because you couldn't see and you obviously sit relatively low. But there was a telegraph pole um, in the field. So I had in my notes, uh, three right, um, over crest, aim at pole. And that's that's fine. That was all, all good. It made sense. And then, of course, we came back to the rally, which was probably two days later when the actual stage was. And I came out to the stage and heard the notes from a co-driver, sort of three right over crest, aim at pole, thinking, yeah, that's fine. You tip it in. And then you're sort of coming over this crest thinking, right, where the hell would I be if I was a pole? Because the thing had blown down the night before. And then <laughs> oh, suddenly, you're kind of <laughs> suddenly you're all, let's see. And <laughs> so that's it. So, and you can't really make notes about sort of um, beware of elephant um, ahead of time in the East African safari ride. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Four left at elephant. Yeah. Turn right at pack of giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> How many days is the East African safari rally? Uh, I think it's like 10 days. Um, yeah. Is that the one it's based on the kind of inspired by the original uh, rally that started in, what was like the 50s as a, as a celebration of Queen Elizabeth and then that kind of birthed the whole safari thing? But safari so. car thing, I should yeah. say. Yeah, okay. safari cars are cars that are meant for that rally. Yeah. in theory. Right. Except mine, which is like a toy. But you know, well, uh, I mean, yours is yours exists because they because of that long ago right. to try to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. win that thing. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Henry, I hope you have a great vacation. You earned it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> three GT one cars in one day in the rain, <laughs> having not scratched one, and. <laughs> Yeah, that's an intimidating day at the office, but what a good time, huh? Yeah, absolutely amazing. And, it's, um, and thank you to everyone for all the, the kind comments about it. It's, um... Yeah, those videos are over on Carfection's uh, YouTube channel. I don't watch a whole lot of videos on the internet. Y'all fools know that. But I did watch these three, and they are worth your time. They are very entertaining uh, and very detailed and, uh, and just the right amount of nerdy. Henry's very good at writing voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which he obviously recorded under a duvet uh, to an iPhone. <laughs> um, now that people are uh, traveling again, next time you come to Los Angeles to do videos, uh, will you let us know ahead of time and come join us in person? I'd love to. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. We'll uh, enjoy your trip. Thank you for doing it. Everyone else uh, who is with us live, we appreciate your time. If you had uh, general car advice questions, we will carry them over to the next cruise show, and we will see you all later. Bye.